Welcome to the Edge of the Sticker podcast with Brad and Bobby Frank. Hey, Brad, how are you today? I'm well, Bobby. How are you? I am doing fine. Just want to be sure that uh, everybody knows who's talking on this podcast adventure that we're about to embark upon. I'm Brad. I'm the, the one in Houston, the psychologist. And I'm Bobby. I'm the drummer in Nashville. So what are we going to discuss today? So I got an email on my way here from a political campaign. Let me find it. I put it in the trash, but then I thought, you know, um, the moment couldn't be any worse the amount of hyperbole that goes into trying to get our attention that particularly with regard to politics, and it's obviously going to get worse as we get closer to the, um, to the midterms, but it's just remarkable. Everything that we, well, see that's hyperbole too. It's not everything. (laughs) So much of what we see in politics is horrible or wonderful. There's, there is no middle ground in anything. And, you know, part of that is obviously because they want to get attention and, and want to motivate and get us to, to give money or do whatever it is that we're supposed to do, some signed petition, which ultimately means give money. But the need to kind of shout the loudest and be the, the, the most of whatever it is, the best or the worst, you got, you got it's just, it's overwhelming. And, I find that tuning it out is the only thing that has been effective for me. I don't even read that stuff anymore. You know, mm-hmm. if it comes up with something like that, it's okay, pass. There's there's nothing in here that is going to motivate me to act. Do you unsubscribe? I don't do that. Why? Um I oh I I don't haven't unsubscribed from the Westview Little League page yet which my kids haven't been in for, what, 10 years? It just seems like that would be a really effective thing to do, and I just don't do it. I just kind of keep going. It's the same reason that, you know, I don't clean out a drawer. Mm -hmm. Um, Who knows what I'm going to find one day that I I need (laughs) to go back to get something from there. That fear of missing out on important information. I guess. Yeah. yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to come? So it, it doesn't take long to um, to swipe it away. But yeah, unsubscribing would be a more effective manner of doing that. Yeah, if you never read them, then just unsubscribe. And then you don't even have to think about it. Yeah, I, I, I have a sense that that, is an important metaphor in things well beyond emails. I think it probably is. <laughs> Do are we holding on to things that are um that are no longer valuable at a bigger at a bigger cost than that 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 rile us up or make us upset that if we could move past we'd free up some energy some bandwidth or some storage space on our on our phones if we just 
stop letting them into our lives. You remember that George Carlin sketch about carrying stuff around? Mm-hmm. Yep. That's worth revisiting, too. <laughs> but they gave me uh, the wrong dressing room and I couldn't find any place to put my stuff. And I don't know how you are, but I need a place to put my stuff. So that's what I've been doing back there, just trying to find a place for my stuff. You know how important that is. That's the whole, that's the whole meaning of life, isn't it? Trying to find a place for your stuff. That's all your house is. Your house is just a place for your stuff. If you didn't have so much goddamn stuff, you wouldn't need a house. You could just walk around all the time. That's all your house is. It's a pile of stuff with a cover on it. You see that when you take off in an airplane and you look down and you see everybody's got a little pile of stuff. Everybody's got their own pile of stuff. And when you leave your stuff, you got to lock it up. Wouldn't want somebody to come by and take some of your stuff. They always take the good stuff. Yes, or, or that movie Up in the Air with um, George Clooney and Anna Kendrick. And yeah. He, you know, talks about the backpack of stuff and how it weighs you down. And in, in that movie, it wasn't just, you know, physical stuff, it was relationships. I mean, that was sort of part of the the theme there. But um, yeah, we do carry around a lot of things. And although they, they sit dormant, they do take up space. And if it's, if it's physical space, like in a drawer or, or, computer space in our memory or emotional space that you know we're triggered by something and we go back to to that memory or to that um that onerous situation it does take up space yeah it does it's i just upgraded my ipad this week yeah and i had an old one it's probably five years old with I don't know how much memory, not much. Part of the reason I had to upgrade is because I have all these videos on there from various things, uh, music mostly, that just take up all the space. So I can't, I couldn't even use the thing anymore. Of course, I bought one with six times the storage. So I didn't actually get rid of anything, but I'm carrying all that stuff around. And I, you know, you never look at it. You never access 99% of the stuff that's on it. Right. But it's there and it's important enough that you don't just wipe it clean because mm-hmm. like you said before, you, you might need it at some point. You might yeah. have to open up that drawer and pull out whatever it is. But you're right. We carry all this stuff around with us forever. And think about even like – pictures that we have in boxes, like literal pictures or videos that we have on cassettes, things that first steps, first something, um, cute things that happened uh, that in the moment seemed really, really important and that we needed to memorialize forever. And the chance of us ever going back and looking at those are are tiny. And even if we do, so if, if, one day we decide we're going to go through our pictures and we're going to um we're going to spend an hour or a day or a decade <laughs> going through them all um you know could could we have done something different with that time like do do we need to have this stuff just in case and we 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 do a lot of just in case prep that doesn't ever come to fruition um you know our our 
Laura and I, our wedding video, which is actually on a cassette, you know, video cassette, a VHS, which we haven't looked at ever. Yeah. Are, are the likelihood of us doing it is like zero. Would there be a time like when we die that our kids or our grandkids might look at it? Maybe. Um, but then they'd have to find a player for it. And I, and I heard an advertisement on the way into the office today for one of the companies that converts the old videos and eight millimeter tapes and whatnot to, um, to digital. And yeah. the, the point of the ad was, you know, do it quickly because the tape that was made was only made to last for 10 to 20 years. And that's only if you've stored it in optimal conditions. Mm, of course, nobody stores it in optimal conditions. So you got to run right now so you don't lose it all. So then you, you build up a digital library of stuff that you're never going to watch. Uh, but you keep it just because. The difficulty of expunging that, of getting rid of it, of making a, a declaration that I don't need this anymore and I won't need this anymore is hard yeah, because that fraction of a percent of possibility just makes you think, well, it's only in a closet. What am I going to do with the closet? It's only on an iPad. I can always upgrade the memory. Well, and social media too, right now, you know, there's a, the historical record is on your Instagram page or on mm -hmm. your TikTok or whatever platform you use well and and that's there, there's i think benefit to that to be able to to key into the emotions or the events that are that are triggered by it but maybe a, an alternative to this is what if we did it on a recurring basis sort of a, a culling and curating basis that mm -hmm. every certain period of time every every week every month every year that you decided, okay, this is the time that I'm going to go back and I'm going to highlight the things that I want to keep and get rid of the things that I don't. So yeah. instead of having a thousand pictures of what happened in the last three months, you cut down and you say, okay, I'm going to keep three of them or whatever the mm -hmm. number is. But, but it's a way that, so you get a little bit of distance you're able to relive the stuff that needs to be relived. You get rid of the stuff or unsubscribe to the things that you don't need and you move on. And then you're, sh you're saving some memory, saving some closet space and maybe also enjoying some of the things that you thought you would enjoy if, when you took the picture in the first time, when you're looking back to remember what it is that you thought was so important at the time that you took it. And that's yeah. true in so many aspects of our lives, uh, you know, cleaning out a closet, not out of, of pictures, but of, of things, you know, it, uh, when you talk to people who do organizing, often they say, if you haven't touched it for a year, give it away, let somebody else enjoy it. Um, yeah. You know, if you haven't seen a picture in over a year, do you really need it? Is it, is it that important? But the active process of curating what you want to be the touchstones of your life, the the mementos and the representations of what you've gone through, instead of just throwing everything possible into it, um, it, it dilutes in many ways uh, the experiences that are most important. You think that the, you know, when you're taking pictures now with a with a phone, I never just take one picture, right? You know, there's a series of pictures. So not only do I have the memory 
but I've got seven versions of the memory that are all, yeah. you know, microscopically different. Uh, of course, the the adjunct to that is we also don't live in it because we're so busy trying to right. capture it that we've we've lost the moment trying to capture it. But maybe <laughs> right. we'll go back and relive it in the in the future <laughs> at a time when we're not actually going to enjoy it. Um, I don't know. I think that there's. I think part of it is that idea of we want to capture it. And then, of course, there's the sharing of it. Yeah. It's posting it in some way. It's you know letting letting the world see or that that small sliver of the world that cares about what we're doing see what it is that we're doing. Um, but you know, does does that have meaning other than the accumulation of likes? Because <laughs> it's not about the moment. It's about somebody telling us that the moment was worth acknowledging. I mean, it's it, it spirals into just this really unmanageable well unmanageable that looks like an ipad that is filled with so much stuff you can't use it anymore right you know that's that's how are we how our lives can start to look when we are reliant on capturing and storing stuff we're digital hoarders we are we're digital hoarders <laughs> and it's really hard not to be it's just yeah. so much a part of what what our lives have become and even to go back to what we started this with, everything is not the most terrible, the best ever. Life is lived in in small little experiences, not peak experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we demand peak experiences to get our attention, we really lose the ability, I think, to take joy and pleasure in the small things that happen. They're just not relevant anymore. Yeah. It's kind of a recurring theme, actually, that we've talked about a few times about appreciating the moment, whatever it is, and not just the the big milestone or the Well to to build on that a little, when when I think about how I deal with big events that are coming, you know, if there's something that that you're looking for looking forward to, perhaps not in a positive way, anxious about um, a test, um, a presentation, a, a something where yeah. there's a, there's all sorts of energy that's going toward it and, and you know, lots of self-doubt or, or fear of failure or things that, that make it seem untenable or certainly undesirable. I find myself thinking about five hours afterwards or the day after. So like when I'm, if, if it's at nine o'clock in the morning on a, on a Wednesday, I'll find myself thinking about, okay, well at five o'clock on Wednesday night, I'm going to X that because time is going to continue. The the sun will set, the sun will rise, the day will go on and whatever that event is, whatever it is, that's going to happen is going to occur. And then there's going to be an after when we look toward things that we're dreading or things that are anxiety provoking, we we don't tend to look beyond it. We just look at the event and that's if everything stops then. But if we can put it into a broader context that, yeah, that, that might suck. That might be hard. That might be challenging, but then you're going to have lunch because lunch is going to come or the next day you're going to go to a different place and do a different thing. Um, when, when we get so focused in on the one event that is taking up all of our time and energy and anxiety, fear, 
then we lose that context and it becomes even bigger. There isn't a backdrop. There's no, there's nothing to put it into perspective. I'm suggesting that if we, we might live a happier, more content life by keeping context and perspective as a big part of how we view the world. I was going to say earlier that this all sounded like it was headed to like a Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur kind of a message of starting fresh, the Mm. new year, the clean slate. But we managed to keep that out. (laughs) Well, um, interesting that you would pick up on the Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur theme. Mine was unconscious. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't recognize that or, or see us going there. But now that you point that out, the, uh, the renewal um, and the ability to duck into the gates before they close. So the other thing I was thinking about with the unsubscribe to the political emails was uh, confirmation bias. Mm, yes. And that, you know, you get all these messages and they are very polarizing and it's either, you know, the best or the worst, but it's the echo chamber. I mean, every one of those messages is designed for what they know about you as the consumer of those emails, as the right. subscriber to their email list. And with all the data that's out there, You know, you might get a message from a political candidate and I might get a message from the same political candidate that says something that's very targeted to me. And you wouldn't see that. It's it's like, uh, you know, emails that you get from a from a online retailer are going to have product selections that are tailored to what you've looked at or what you've told them about yourself or what Mm -hmm. they've gleaned from, you know, other technology that's plugged into your computer browser that uh, personalizes those messages. Um, So all of the political emails, especially are so focused and there's so much, uh, there's so much analysis that's happening in the big data world to create these messages that really tweak whatever it is that gets you riled up. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's, that's what happened in 2016 with the the Cambridge Analytica stuff that, uh, that the Trump campaign was using um, just to really inflame certain emotions within certain people and to get that momentum going um, on a very individualized basis. So that's why that's why unsubscribing is actually a pretty a pretty effective way to handle that. I mean even the subject lines that you see in those messages you might you know it, it probably has some little snippet that is intended to make you open it and they probably hook you by putting something in front of you that is uh, is going to raise your ire a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and, and we think little. we're above. We think we're above those reactions. 
But yeah. imagine you're watching a movie or doing something else enjoyable, something you want to be doing, and you feel your phone buzz. And so you mm -hmm. pick it up and you look at it. Even if yeah. your, your point is to be watching the movie, but we still respond in ways that are almost automatic. And yeah, I, I yeah. think your point is a good one that if, if you unsubscribe, not only are you allowing yourself the opportunity to not be interrupted in your life, um, but you're also, I, I guess, I mean, you know this better than I, I guess you're taking some information off the table for big data. Yeah, you are. You're 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 taking yourself out of that ecosystem. We have a neighbor who uh, I think the people moved in in like 1958. Parents passed away, so the kids are cleaning out the house and selling it. And you can walk up the alley and see this mountain of stuff that was probably treasured and. Mm -hmm that those people obviously kept for all those years. But now it, there's a heap of junk in the yeah. backyard with papers and photographs and you name it. It's, it's just lots and lots of stuff mm -hmm. that I guess ultimately <laughs> that's where it all ends up. That's where all that physical stuff ends up. Yeah. Well, have you gone through pictures where you, there's a group picture and you don't know who the people are in the group. Oh yeah, absolutely. Know? And and those were people who were worthy of being at whatever event it was and part of whatever social thing you were doing. And now you don't know their names, and you may not even recognize their faces. Yeah, or or your own sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so so that begs the question: Is it better to have those pictures so that you can look at them and be refreshed, perhaps on? an event that occurred, or is that complete, completely wasted effort, completely wasted storage space that isn't worth the trouble? Yeah. And I don't know that there's an answer or that there's a, that there's a consistent answer all the time, but you know, and then, and then I guess the next point is, so you, you look at the picture, you don't know who these people are, and what do you do with the picture? Do you put it back in the stack or do you throw it out? <laughs> if it's like my I, unsubscribing, I'm I'm putting it back in the stack. <laughs> yeah, I I always put it back in the stack. <laughs> <laughs> it's we are a piece of your of history. Habit. Yeah, <laughs> right? I mean, you can't get rid of your history. So, yeah, it's all part of the fabric, I guess. It is part of the fabric. And I guess if, if you think of it that way, any individual thread may not be particularly recognizable or important, but with perspective and distance and when it's joined with the, the rest of the weave, then it has value. And there's the big wrap-up <laughs> summary again. <laughs> Two weeks in a row. You know... I'm I, I'm used to coming up after about 50 minutes with something that can <laughs> contextualize and put forth some <laughs> put it into some context and allow for the go forth and contemplate. <laughs> okay, well, good, perfect. I'm glad you do. I'm glad that's a, <laughs> that's your skill. That's a that is an occupational skill. <laughs>